You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. I'm now joined by Bernie English. Bernie, how are you getting on? Very good, thank you, Keen. That was quite a bite-sized portion we had yesterday <laughs> out at Shannon Airport and later in It was in indeed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of Shannon, Donald Trump arriving yesterday. There's a big story, front page continued on to page two. Indeed, yeah. and he was a little later than expected, but we held tough and we got him. Um, yeah, a big operation, unbelievable. Uh, journalists bust in from the other side of the city. No private cars allowed. 10 million lockdown operation in Shannon and, and Dunbeg. Mind you, it didn't stop the two boys, Trump's two boys going out for a pint in the local. And yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. yeah, you could say that's child labour. Yes. <laughs> I think they'd done a bit of a pub crawl there in Dunbeg. Yeah, 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 I don't know what the Secret Service made of that, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently the man himself doesn't drink at all. Uh, yeah. And uh, I haven't seen the two lads have a drink either. They were pouring points for everyone else, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's, you know, <laughs> have to get their hand in. You know, so so. Uh, David Raleigh in his story yesterday covered a lot. He did indeed. He yeah. gave us a huge amount of detail about what's happening. 2,000 Gardaí being deployed every day in Clare until such, and in Shannon, of course, until such time as the president flies back. Um, journalists were invited uh, the other day into the centre of operations in Shannon, where we were shown this phalange of um, CCTV cameras watching every inch of Doonbeg. I'd say the, a dog couldn't have, you know, anybody took their dog out and didn't pick up after them and Doonbeg this week was in big trouble because it, it was like something CCTV. A NCIS show or something. You Absolutely, know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't think we were capable of that level of security. <laughs> but hey, we did it. And he's here and love him or loathe him, he is the American president. Yeah. And it's an office which we which we have to obviously respect and should respect and that's that's how it should be. There were protests too, of course, yeah. um, but they were peaceful and democratic and nobody threw milkshakes at anybody, <laughs> to the best of our knowledge. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite a big deal for doing beg. Yeah. And the 10 million price bill, you know, again, love him or loathe him, he is showcasing the west of Ireland. He's showcasing the Wild Atlantic Way and the Midwest to the entire world. Mm-hmm. He's showcasing Shannon Airport. He's showcasing Clare. Um, and there's a fallout for Limerick in that, obviously. Uh, you know, I think we'll get our 10 million back, I think yeah. it's fair and to say. And looking at the amount of press that were there yesterday, there was ourselves, we had CNBC, people from the UK, more stations from the States, and then a lot of local news as well, you know. Yeah, you were, you, you were heading our team there with David Raleigh, and I, you were rubbing shoulders with fairly salubrious names now. <laughs> uh, I heard you, you slipped an old CV to the New York Herald Tribune. <laughs> we'll see what happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems, I, I think I, I think in, in the whole, um, according to David's copy and according to people who were on the spot, it seems that the Irish media access to him was quite restricted. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he's, you wonder about the, the, the Machiavellian thoughts that go on. He was supposed to land on Air Force One and Air Force One landed and the cameras all started snapping and there he wasn't. He <laughs> came in on the plane behind it. But, um, you know, this I guess y- y- certain security precautions are necessary for somebody of that stature, even on a private, so-called private visit. Well, you were reflecting on uh, Bill Clinton's visit before we came on air. That's right, yeah. yeah it was very different. It was a very, very different. I mean, Bill Clinton... He, he 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 spoke to everybody. He spoke yeah. to all the journalists. He spoke to all the newspapers every time he did something. Um, he had that amazing address to the crowds in O'Connell Street. What a night. What a party afterwards. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he stood there. Yeah, he had a security man and he had his bulletproof glass. But he was very accessible. Yeah. And he, he there was a real feeling of him actually wanting to meet people. And then, of course, Obama, when he came here, was running up and down the street shaking hands to the horror of his security <laughs> staff. You know? uh, and he, he must have shaken hands and kissed every baby in Moneygall. You know? yeah. um, no, uh, this president is very different 
kettle of fish. I think times have changed a bit as well, you know. They have, yeah. they have, and let's face it, he does, he does attract quite a deal of controversy. He does, um, and as he's he's at pains to say, he's actually on a private visit here. It's not a state visit. Yeah, uh, it, you know, he met he met the Taoiseach, and the Taoiseach met him uh, as a courtesy, which of course you do with a major international leader. But look, it'll be all over Bartha Shouting on Friday and he's going to do a round of golf, we're told, when he comes back, if the weather holds. You have to wonder the heat they're coming from on the east coast of America. <laughs> How are they coping with the wind in Dunbeck? And uh, this might, this, the weather over here might make, make him think differently about climate change as well. You never know. It might, or perhaps you'll just try to put a roof on Dunbeck. Maybe, you don't yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, 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 look, it's, it's, a great, it's great yeah. to showcase the country and, and let's, let's look at the positive side exactly. of that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So uh, going from some positives then to a, a fairly negative story again, looking at the trolley crisis. Yeah, afraid so. Um, the university hospital has again topped the legal shame in the trolley crisis. In May, it had more patients on trolleys. Now, remember, these are people who are already admitted to the hospital. Yeah. They just don't have a bed in a regular ward. But they've been deemed sick enough to have to be in hospital. Yeah. So 1,102 1, people had to wait on trolleys in University Hospital Limerick in May. Um, the worst May figures ever for the hospital, and this follows the worst April figures ever. For yes, the yeah, yeah, it's uh, the worst. The worst. The worst just seems to be uh, a word we keep using in relation to this. Now, it's hard to know where the solving of this is, yeah. other than the building of the sixty-bed block and the ninety-two-bed block there. But you know that's so far down the road. You have to start wondering with the population increase, with the extra demands on services exactly, there, yeah. is that going to be enough? Staffing is going to become an issue at some point as well. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, staffing is already an issue yeah. because the, the the hospital are at pains, in fairness to them, to yeah. point out that they're on an almost constant recruitment drive. Mm-hmm. But the, the long and short of it is, you know, nurses and 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 med- and clinicians do not get the same conditions here, or the same money here that they can get abroad. You know, there's there's a lot of very brilliant young Irish doctors graduates of medicine school who will not stay here because Irish hospitals generally don't have the facility to give them research facilities. Mm-hmm. So they're going off to England and the UK and Scotland where that sort of, that sort of uh, further um, endeavour will be, will be funded. It's not, it's not here, not to any great extent. Not in the hospitals anyway. So it's a kind of a multi-layered problem, but we seem to be getting the brunt of it here in the Midwest. And several solutions have been put forward, none of which seem to be either being enacted or we get constant reminders from the hospital to tell people yeah. you know if you've twisted your ankle or you've broken a finger don't come to us <laughs> go to john's go to ennis go to nina which is which is good advice in fairness but all of those small injury units and the medical assessment units there deal with an awful lot of stuff that really shouldn't be channeled through mm-hmm. the hospital at ul but um nonetheless there doesn't seem to be uh, either an awareness or, or a secondary channeling procedure. It seems that everything... And then, of course, once those units are closed in the evening, no matter what's wrong with you, you end up in the acute hospital. Exactly, yeah. Their, their opening hours are basically like an office hours, aren't they? Well, a little bit more than that. Yeah. I mean, some of the units open until 6 and 7. I yeah. think I think Ennis opens until 8. Um, but, you know, after... If you, after basically 8 o'clock. After, after yeah. 8 or 9 o'clock, if you do yourself a mischief, you're going to end up out in ED. Exactly. Unless you can... Take enough paracetamol to get your vital morning, you know. So unless a lot changes, we're not going to see an end to this, really. No, I don't think we are. I mean, I've I've been writing about this for the last eight years here, so um, I think so. There really has to be a very drastic rethink, yeah. and I think that's. I don't know if that's accepted or not. Um, I look. It's it's above my wage scale to solve the problem. <laughs> All I can do is keep writing about it. Yeah. But uh, really, I think at this stage, somebody needs to step up to the mark and take some executive decisions. 
Bernie, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Keen. All those stories can be found on LimerickPost.ie and in this week's edition of the Limerick Post newspaper. I'm now joined by Megan Scully, the host of the Limerick Post show. Megan, how are you getting on? I'm in great form, I have to say. Um, I got a good night's sleep, so I think that always helps. Fair play, it was much needed and well-deserved, I think, was it? Yes, we had a very busy day yesterday in Shannon Airport for uh, Trump's visit. I have to say, um, I know a lot of people give out about Trump and and the things he says and things he does, but there was some kind of really cool excitement about being part of it and being a journalist and getting to be kind of, well, on the runway as well, which is very cool because you don't often get to stand on the runway like that. Exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah, and just be there around journalists from all over the world. It was really cool to kind of see all the Americans and loads from over the UK as well and obviously all our own local journalists um but yeah i'm kind of i've kind of i don't know i felt uh i felt quite special <laughs> even though trump didn't even see us but like you know kind of i don't know i just kind of felt like i was um i don't know it was just a really kind of cool thing to kind of a bucket list thing i think yeah and before he arrived people were saying oh he's coming on a smaller jet but that was still a massive jet wasn't it well what we learned <laughs> yesterday which i thought was really fascinating was that massive massive USA plane that I thought was Air Force One in fact isn't well it is sometimes it depends what plane the president is on that's Air Force One so whether that's a small mini jet or a massive jumbo jet it doesn't make difference now to be fair how many planes were there three four uh, there was four United States of America planes and then there was five helicopters accounted yeah and they're all USA so they all come over there was a few American trucks as well like it was, and all the yeah. secret agents I kind of loved them with all their earpieces <laughs> and walkie talkies and it was all I felt like we were in like a scene of West Wing or something <laughs> that was cool enough yeah it was a good experience but uh Another type of experience over the weekend. We had Life of the Docklands. We did. Now, that's, I think, maybe more so why we were so tired. I don't know if Probably, it was just a trip yeah. out to Shannon. We finally uh, caught up on Yeah. The Friday, Saturday and Sunday, the inaugural Live at the Docklands um, that had the big blue and yellow marquee down at the end of the docks um, that could take a couple of thousand people. Um, yeah, it was really good. So I'm delighted we got to be there for Madness, got to be there for Jenny Green, the RT Orchestra. And then Sunday night, I think, was my highlight because you and I were backstage and we got to interview some of the artists, which uh, it's always cool to kind of see things from back there and watch them prepare as they get on stage then to see you know how they act on stage and then when they come off again yeah. so yeah it was all really cool was there any uh, standout interviews for you um i thought um <laughs> upcoming singer songwriter josh gray was lovely uh thanks brother who are roshino and john bro um really talented bunch and of course roshino, some other fellow wasn't it yes roshino's brother is danny o'reilly of the coronas oh, so really? uh, we interviewed him <laughs> and yeah very sound i have to say what i love most about the interview was that um i it was about 30-40% music and like 60% football and GA and it was mainly sports chat. And um, I'm going to give you an exclusive here now. If you haven't watched the show yet with Danny, um, him and I are setting up our own sports podcast. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's according to him. I don't know if it's actually <laughs> going to happen. But <laughs> I, I must tell happen, him, I'll, yeah. I'll tell him like a date and time in Limerick once a week <laughs> to come down here and to record our sporting podcast. So was the Sunday the highlight for you at Live the Docklands? Yeah, see, I think deep down when it comes to music and festivals, I just love um, bands with like guitars and drums yeah. and, you know, instruments. I just think that kind of folk indie is really like what I love the most. Like I'm going to um, Malahide Castle Friday week for Mumford and Sons and I just... I've seen them live a couple of times and that kind of music to me in festivals. Like I just remember going to the very, my very first oxygen back in 2006 and it was like all those kind of bands and all rock bands and indie bands. And it was just the most incredible experience. So we had a, a great view of some of the, yeah. of the Coronas uh, backstage, weren't we? We did what? 
a great view. Oh, sorry. Yes, we did. <laughs> I thought you said something else there and I was like, did I hear that wrong? And <laughs> um, we did. It was really cool. We got to be, we were literally on the stage with them. In fact, we are, were on the stage. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really cool. Um, actually, you took a photo of me on stage. I must get it off you. We did, yeah. I forgot about that. <gasps> oh, I forgot about that. No. Oh, that's one now for the Instagram. But uh, there was a cool moment there where the confetti flew out over everything and we had, oh. we weren't in the confetti so we could see it all. Oh, that was so cool. Do you know what? Everyone, you know? Isn't it funny that when you go out to a festival or a night out or anywhere at all, once they throw confetti at you, it just suddenly changes Things the whole atmosphere. You know? Everyone loves confetti. Yeah. And I was at, what other gig was I at recently? And Spice Girls. And they threw out confetti and it was butterflies. And I'm, I know you know that I have a love for butterflies. So I was running around a Crow Park trying to pick up all these butterflies. <laughs> and I put them into my bag because I wanted to keep them as a souvenir. They're so obviously it, fake butterflies. Weren't yeah, they weren't real. Imagine thousands and thousands of real butterflies. I yeah, wish. There was no confetti at Martin Offler the same night. Really? I can, I can you see, confetti you, yeah. makes all the difference. <laughs> So what's the plan for the next week or so? Well, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to be so busy because um, you're off on holidays for the I week. So indeed. I'm going to be running the show solo. So I'm going to be a presenter, producer and camera woman and an editor and director all in one. So um, yeah, there's loads of actually oh, You're well able for it, Megan. Yeah, there's the yeah. launch of Pride on Monday. So I'll be going along to that. Um, it's also Polska Era Festival taking place. Um, the Polish and Irish community run a festival all across Ireland. Um, and there's, yeah, there's actually a lot happening in Limerick at the moment. So yeah, as I said, limerickpost.ie forward slash show for all our show updates and for uh, all our video content. Excellent. Megan Scully, presenter of the Limerick Post Show, thank you for joining me. Kermit Wagat. And have a lovely weekend. You too. So I'm now joined in studio by our sports journalist, John Keogh, journalist with Sporting Limerick. How are you getting on? I'll go keen now yourself. Not too bad. You had a nice old uh, trip last week. I did. I was over in Madrid for the Champions League final. Was that um, on, was it? It was, yeah. Jeez. Very <laughs> few Spurs fans seem to be reacting to that. Must have forgotten it very quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I went over with the hope of uh, securing a ticket, but had to settle for a local bar. My, one of my uncles lives in Madrid and stayed with him and my aunt, um, in fairly close in the middle of uh, Madrid, but enjoyed the game. Um, say there was some atmosphere, was there? There was. It was a cracking atmosphere all over. Like Something like 20,000 Liverpool fans went over without tickets. Don't remember too many Spurs fans around the place now. They were there no more. They all had tickets. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually probably true. true. Yeah, it was. look, it was great. From my point of view, obviously, being a Liverpool fan, yeah. it was even better. Uh, from your point of view, as a Spurs fan, not so much. It wasn't the best match, though, was it? Poor, poor game. There's, no, no, yeah. there's many reasons for that. Probably the biggest one, Liverpool scoring after, what, two minutes, two 90 minutes. seconds with yeah. a dubious penalty. And I'll even admit that. Look. Look, I've seen, if, I've if, seen if, softer penalties yeah I, I, and I've seen other things go without punishment you take advantage of if Spurs have got that penalty Spurs fans are going, eh, fair enough yeah. we'll take it so it's, it's, it seems to be now handball if it hits your hand at all whether deliberately accidentally or cannons up off your <laughs> chest to hit your hand yeah. especially with VAR Everyone's yeah so and, but, but VAR was there that's, that's yeah. the worrying thing looking forward to VAR next season in the Premier League that yeah. if that's a penalty like we're if the ball touches your hand at all, you're in danger. Yeah, Spurs to be relegated. Spurs to be relegated. Yeah, but the whole weekend itself um, was great. You know, the atmosphere yeah. was was mental. The thirty, the 30 degree heat <laughs> helped, I think. But it was very much a party atmosphere, and I have to highlight that. Yeah. And Liverpool deserved the trophy this year, I think. I, I, yeah, look outside of that. Yeah, look, you, you get what you deserve in yeah, football. So exactly. And if you deserve to win, you win. Yeah. If you don't, you don't. Like exactly. City deserved the league, so that's the end of it. And you'd argue, okay, Liverpool deserved the Champions League because they won it. But I just do have to highlight party atmosphere the whole time in Madrid between both sets of fans mingling, which was very good Brilliant. to see. They had two separate fan zones, but around the middle where I was, there, there it was just party between both sets of fans, singing, having Excellent. a few drinks, enjoying each other's company. 
that's good to hear not something you you often associate with soccer and England England fans in Porto last night last Wednesday night and this morning all the reports are negative about that so you just want to know or wonder why there was such yeah a a, a difference between that look I'm, I'm not qualified to answer that, I suppose, but, but yeah, uh, look, just a great weekend overall, and happy to be back home. Though. Be- being in Madrid, you, you got to miss out on the hurling. I, I missed out on going to the hurling, but going to I, you got I, to watch it over. I did, yeah, yeah. No, the both, both, both Claire and Tipperary, but obviously before that, you'd Limerick and Waterford, yeah. and another bad result for you, Keen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, we, we'll talk about Waterford maybe in a minute, but Limerick first. It was back to what we expect from Limerick: the ferocious and tigerish work rate, and. A lot of skill involved yeah. as well. Limerick, after, look, Waterford started the game fairly well, but after 10, 11 minutes, once Limerick got that goal to go ahead, but there was any, only one winner. Holding any senior team to 10 points in the game. Very impressive defensively, yeah. yeah. Waterford, no answers. And look, no. You, you could even argue that Waterford could have had a couple of more red cards. Yeah. The incident with Morris Shannon, Mike they? Casey, um, Shane Bennett on... Darrow Donovan, a rogue shoulder, and then obviously the, the Park man. He was purely frustrating, but there's no place for yeah. that. I mean, you just can't get away with that. The game itself, yeah, look, you you Paddy, Paddy McLaughlin, or Paddy O'Loughlin, sorry, making his uh, first championship start. Very impressive performance at left wing back and chipped in with a couple of points. Dan Morris, he played very well on the other side in place of Dermot Burns. It's just showing John Kiley's willing to rotate. And you had subs come in. And you had subs, and this is what we were talking about against Cork. The impact wasn't there against Cork, but yeah. Darrow Donovan took his rotation, and maybe it's not all dropped anymore. Um, very well, came on, very gave a very good performance. Barry Murphy was good, and he came on. David Reedy has something like two two um, championship games. Came off the bench against Cork in last year's All Ireland semi final. Has had two shots and has come up with two points. So, hundred percent record of shooting for any player is a fairly good. A good return, and obviously with Shane Dowling, come on, was the most impressive. Played unreal when he came on. Yeah. Four frees, and like the, the see, first two frees were inside his own 45. We don't know if this whole uh, championship will come down to a points difference now. Yeah, you just don't know, and, and Limerick winning by 20 points. Especially if tips slip up somewhere as well. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't look like happening, yeah. you know. They just look, you have to say, we'll, we'll get on to Limerick Clare in a minute, but on Limerick, finally, very impressive, back, back to what we expect. Worrying times for Waterford, but Limerick facing to the Clare game yeah. on Sunday now, back to a bit of form. And, and looking forward to the game on Sunday. Yeah, look, it's it's Limerick and Clare. Limerick will be still smarting, I think, from last year's defeat to Clare in, in Ennis. You know, it was a very sobering defeat for that Limerick team that had a very good start at the championship. Cost them a place in the Munster final, which actually worked out fairly well for Limerick down the road, but... I, I think they've, they've, they've met in in Ennis already in the league in a fairly bitter, cold, snowy day. Back in February, it was thunderous. It was it was as close to championship as you're going to get in a league game. The rivalry is there. All these lads played together in college, played against each other in college. They're, they know each other very, very well. It is all the makings of a classic, you know, Limerick. And Clare haven't met in the Gaelic Crowns since 1996 when Kieran Carey scored. One of the greatest scores ever seen on a hurling field. And, you know, Clare were All-Ireland champions at the time. Limerick's yeah. smarting. Limerick went on to lose another All-Ireland final to Wexford that year. There's a history, the local rivalry. I mean, we all know that Limerick and Clare are right next to each other. And the rivalry is very tense with a lot of people coming in from Clare to work in Limerick, live in Limerick, Limerick people living in Clare. It, 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 look, it, it's, it's going to reach fever pitch by Sunday and... I'm looking forward to it anyway, and I think everyone... And after Clare's game against Tip last weekend, they'll be looking for, for blood. It was a very disappointing performance by Clare. They, yeah. they, they did well to beat 
to beat Waterford in their first game, you know, Waterford's first game back at Walsh Park, but it, it, the performance wasn't, they could have been caught in the end against Waterford, Waterford yeah. could have been in a different position, look, their ifs, buts and whatever, but yeah, you just, you don't know what's coming from this Clare team, Tipperary did a very good man marking job on Tony Kelly um, on Sunday and it kind of free, it, it stopped him hurling. A lot of what Clare do well comes from Kelly, whether it be creatively or scoring his own scores. You just, you feel there's something more in Clare. Yeah. Clare and Limerick are usually very tight games. Outside of that one in Ennis last year, they're very close. In the league game last season, they came down to the league quarterfinal, came down to a free, excuse me, a free shooting contest this year. You, yeah. know, what, you know what I'm trying to say anyway. And Limerick won that. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. He came down to 65 yeah. after extra time. Yeah. and It was a very long... Very, very long bank holiday Monday fixture. Yeah. And Limerick won that. And this year, as I'm saying, in the league and Ennis, it was a draw. So they're very, very, very little between the teams when they're both playing well. It's very hard one to call. I, I'm going to go with Limerick because I think Limerick just upped. Got where they needed to be. Got to the pitch of things against... Waterford but I will balance that by saying it's been very much the away team's rule and this yeah. year's championship Tipperary the only ones to have a home win thus far so look it's going to be very tight but more importantly we're, we're going to old style Munster championship hurling here where whoever loses is gone you know yeah. so Limerick are on a high now as well Limerick so are on a high but, but be, always beware of the wounded animal clean yeah, and, and Clare certainly wounded after that heavy defeat to Tip so look I, I expect nothing but a very tight, tense game of hurling, and I think goals could be the big thing. So whoever gets a couple of goals could come out on top. And uh, st- staying at Limerick, their uh, football monster yeah. football hopes are. Yeah, over. it was. Um, we, I don't think we talked them up so much last week. I don't think we did. We said, look, if Limerick play well, yeah. and Cork have enough day, but depends on what Cork team shows up. Always, you know, this yeah, and, football. And Cork, Cork turned up yeah. <laughs> in fairly emphatic fashion. As good a win as it was for the hurlers, yeah. the footballers losing by 21 points. Could have been very different. A goal chance in the opening seconds, hit the post, rolled along the goal line and hit the other post. But, you know, listening to everyone talking after the game, I didn't hear the commentary live on the game as I was in Madrid and the Champions League final was on. <laughs> but reading up in it after, you know, after that, it just, it was all, all Cork, you know, and the, yeah. the, the scoreline, scoring margin tells its own story. But still a positive year for Limerick football. Yeah, it'll be interesting now to see with the qualifiers um, draw what comes. If if they could get a home a home fixture, if they play two away games in Turles and Cork now. Um, you know, it, it is positive. There's been a lot of positives throughout the campaign. That that will sting. There's no question. I mean, anyone mm-hmm. playing any sport to defeat like that will sting. But Billy Lee, rightly in my eyes, said after the game, "Look, I'm not going to have pop off these lads for for this performance. Yeah. I mean, how how can I? You know, it is what it is." So I, th- I think they'll have to just look. They'll regroup. Definitely one that'll hurt, but there's been positives this year no matter what happens. So it's all about building for Limerick and, and it's all about building for Limerick football going forward. It, it was a tough loss and you've Kerry Cork in, a, in both the Munster and senior finals in football. So the status quo <laughs> remains intact, you know. So look, a tough loss, but one we'll get over quickly, hopefully. And- we have a, a legend in UL. Yeah, David Mahidi has decided to retire from his role. Look, anyone yeah. who's... I'm sure you've met Dave Mahidi. I've met Dave Mahidi. I've interviewed Dave Mahidi. Synonymous with UL Sport. He's been heavily involved in, in coaching Limerick teams over the year. He was involved in, 
in coaching the Limerick soccer team that played in the European Cup yeah. against Real Madrid. An absolute legend of Limerick sport and UL sport. And Colling time on his very, very long career. And anyone who's gone out to UL over the last 20, 30 years has seen the progress that has been made in the sports side of things out there, including the new campus. Yeah. The next, next it's still part of their campus, but the new, the new pitches, yeah. the new additions. And it's just, look, I, I'm not... Top class facilities. Top class facilities. Class, and yeah. look, he, he's the main man behind it. You know, he's he's the guy running running the show out in UL. And he's going to be a huge loss for UL. But it's all about celebrating Dave Mahidi in, in this. So, I mean, I any dealings I've ever had with him have been just top class. Yeah. And anyone who, I've never heard a bad word said about Dave Mahidi. Big he's boots to fill. So. Huge boots to fill. It's going yeah. to be interesting who does fill those boots. But it's all about talking about Dave Mahidi now. And George Lee from the LEDP has a very, very good article on Dave in this week's paper and worth reading like everything else in the sports section and new section and yeah. all the other sections exactly. in the Limerick Post this week <laughs> and then uh, looking over to Limerick FC yeah Limerick FC heading into a home game at Galway in their first it, Saturday game at first home. Saturday game this season it's their only one it's their only one as far as I think my knowledge only, mainly yeah. to do with Ireland playing Denmark on yeah. Friday night in the International European Championship qualifiers um, yeah one all draw with Athlone last week um, again I was keeping up to date with it um, when I was in Madrid and very much seems to be the case they didn't they just weren't at the races in the opening half hour so much so that Tommy Barrett which is unusual for any manager to make a sub for just over 20 minutes when he took off Red Hanlon um, and brought on Colin Walsh O'Loughlin and made a bit of an impact they were one down at that stage came back into it in the second half and Conor Ellis on the score sheet again for Limerick Connors proven to be great season he's having having a great season yeah, yeah and look, a lot of the majority of goals are coming from Connor. that's what you want from your main striker you know it's exactly what you want so it keeps the unbeaten run going and that, that, it seems to be that them blocks that Limerick are in they're going unbeaten for a few games which is great yeah. great again on the field fantastic it's in a way okay Athlone haven't been had, hadn't been having the best of times in the previous few weeks but it's another point and it's another game without defeat and they're, as you said first Saturday game since last season and home to Galvin it's a game look Limerick will be expecting to win yeah. you know Galvin will below them in the table enjoy their Hopef- Saturday and get out and hopefully yeah I mean there's yeah. no reason why there's, there's nothing else on as far perfect as time yeah. perfect time half six get to dinner in early and then go for a few <laughs> pints after it exactly. you know so yeah look again we, 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 we say it every week Limerick looking impressive on the field there's no talk any more updates on off the field Things we'll see at the end of this week if they've been paid their yeah. wages. We'll know Saturday for sure if they have been paid their, their May wages or not. That's something we can only wait and see. Yeah. But, you know, on the field again, it's going to be an interesting one. I said, as I said, Galway, Limerick will be expecting to beat that. Galway have been better in recent weeks as well. So who knows? But I think Limerick win is something that Tommy Barrett will be expecting anyway. Good season they're having as well. And then uh, over to the rugby, I see one of the vacancies at Munster. Yeah, Munster have moved fairly swiftly to uh, bring in a forwards coach to replace Jerry Flannery. And it's a very good acquisition too, but it looks at things in, 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 in Graham Rountree. Graham Rountree is a very, um, a very very big background in, in forwards coaching. He's worked with the British and Irish Lions. He's worked... He's been a forwards coach for England with Leicester. He's currently with Georgia and he won't be coming to Munster till after this World Cup. But it's a fairly big statement in, of intent in my eyes because Graham Rountree is a very... They're, they're, Johnny Sexton was in Limerick over the week, during the week and was talking about the positive surrounding Graham Rountree. Look, he's a very, very highly regarded coach. 
it's, it's one gap filled it's definitely an experienced coach which is what Munster are looking for um positive yeah absolutely a positive with with him coming I think in the experience is the most important thing there huge, for filling this role isn't it yeah Especially. it's a huge thing it's a huge thing he was a fine prop himself in his playing days with Leicester in England as well look there you are look you, you you're looking to get highly rated coaches in to lose the coaches you've lost he certainly won rumors are abound about who's coming in as backs coach at Munster uh, rumored to have interviewed former Aussie international Stephen Larkin who played a a distinctive playing career at out half for both the Wallabies and the Brumbies in Super Rugby, very highly regarded coach, was with Michael Cheka up until I think it was last summer with the national team. He's now a development coach with the Australian Rugby Academy. There's a lot of talk over the last few days that Munster have interviewed him. Time will tell again on that. But it's it's not as if they're not aiming for the very highest level coaches at the moment. So that can only be a positive for Munster. So that's one to keep an eye on. Definitely. Yeah. John? Congratulations on winning the Champions thanks, League. Thanks, Gain. Thanks. <laughs> it's where I did it myself, you know. But. And uh, thanks for joining me today. So, all our sports news is brought to you in association with Sport and Limerick through a partnership where online you can find more sports news for minority sports, major sports. You'll find videos, podcasts, and everything on sportinglimerick.com and limerickpost.ie or following the hashtag sportlk or keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels. John, sound. Thanks, Gain. Have a good weekend. In this week's entertainment section, Eric Fitzgerald speaks to the musical institution, The O'Malley's. Almost 40 years into their existence, the band has finally released a debut album. Having released plenty of solo work, the band finally came together to record their first long play record, Can You Hear Me? Eric writes, this album is an absolute gem, a quality performance capturing the band at their best. The full interview is available on page 71 of this week's Limerick Post and online at limerickpost.ie. And the official album launch is today, Thursday, June 6th at the Lime Tree Theatre. Record collectors will rejoice at the return of the Summer Record Fair in the Milk Market this weekend, Sunday 9th, from 10am, where more than 22 stalls with national and international traders will offer a huge choice of music. And some new music mentioned on Eric's Entertainment's page this week. Claire rapper Shafto has shared a video for his track Every Day is a School Day, shot by Golden Graham TV, and it's available to view online now. And with more hip-hop music from Delush featuring Strange Boy Nature, the track title It's Alright features Limerick's Strange Boy has received airplay across Ireland and beyond since its premiere on the Nyler 9 blog. And all entertainment news will be found on page 71 of this week's paper and online at limerickpost.ie. Joining me in studio now is the editor of the arts, Rose Rush. Rose, how are you? <laughs> That's some title, Cian. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How are you getting on? We try and keep a straight face there. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I had an amazing bank holiday weekend. Brilliant. I'll go into that later with yeah. you. Can I Can I do three festivals back to back? You can do three you? festivals back to back. And I know uh, <laughs> the first one, we're both fans of, I think, aren't we? Have, yes. yes. Our first working gig together <laughs> was three years ago. And you covered social pictures in record, finger snap time, during the interval, because you do another gig, typically, yep. to photograph afterwards for uh, three Coor. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. We sat through. You didn't get to sit through. I got to sit through. You got to sit through. 20. Yeah. It was then three minute shorts or less. The interval. We ran around the room, photographed all these amazing women from uh, Alliance Française Limerick That's who managed to secure this international exclusive contract for Ireland for our very own bell table. It's brilliant having it in Limerick, isn't it? So now Limerick controls the yeah. Irish vote in this. Let me explain to the reader what Tricor is. That's okay. a good idea, Rose. This is a film festival that is truly international. 
entries from Taiwan, Korea, Brazil, North America, France, obviously, a tremendously productive country. Yeah. Uh, Ireland has had one or two, I think, over the previous five years that uh, Tricour has come to Ireland. We're now in our sixth year of this festival that both of us had something to do with seeding. Yeah. Correct, right? Um, Tricour, by the way, reader, there are only, uh, sorry, audience, there are only four tickets only left. I've just checked with Sean Lynch of Lime Tree Theatre, which is venue manager for Belte, but as of a quarter to one today, Thursday, Thursday, June the 6th, yep. four tickets only left. This will tell you the scorching popularity. This is kicking off tomorrow on Friday, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. No, it kicks off tonight. Kicks off tonight, Deirdre Martin hosts an annual preview and reception, Little Sparkle, Prosecco, Cup of Cheese Nibbles. And she has selected four shorts from last year and and then they're voted on and whatever. So there's a lovely little soiree tonight in Deirdre Martin's, Mickey Martin's Bar in Augustinian Lane Brilliant. from 7pm. And that'll be an introduction to any novice. And for the other novices out there who haven't done the Treco International Film Check, Anne Blondell was kind enough to give me her time for interview for Arts Page. Lovely. And... And Anne has invited Zed Moore of Richard Harris International Film Festival to launch it this year and commend Zed dearly for his really intense input and cooperation and support for Tricor mm. since, you know, I think it was myself introduced Zed to it on, on year two. So anyway, reader, I'll stop being mysterious. The format is you, if you're lucky enough to get a ticket, you go in the door, you get your voting paper. And you have a choice of your top three of this year's 38 entries. It's a tough decision to make, Rose. It's a shocking decision to make. And people take it so intensely. We sit there in the darkness. We're trying to read because the lights go down, obviously. And you watch this incredibly high high quality series of inventive filmmaking between animation, documentary, comedy, uh, films directed by women, uh, miniature movies, romance, and the how filmmakers are able to screen and write and project a complete event. Um, it was three minutes, it's now four. Hence, we fewer entries yeah. because it's easier. The more time we have to tell anything, the easier it is to a complete story. So more filmmakers are looking to fill the full four minutes. So you do it for 20 films, and then there's an interval, and somebody like Keen Reinhardt <laughs> runs around, takes pictures for After Dark, and make post. <laughs> Good luck with that. And then we sit back in for the remainder, and you would think your interest begins to flag, or you have your senses are overstated at this stage. Forget that. It's the best crack. I think that's the beauty of the four minutes, or the three yeah. minutes, is that it's yeah. always going to be interesting. You're onto something new, and... Yeah. You've just gotten into something, you know. Yeah, and that you, the ticket holder, yeah. have a vote that is equal to you anybody else in the world yeah. in this festival that's held simultaneously throughout hundreds of countries. Yeah. It's tremendously satisfying, but not not nearly as satisfying as the quality of artwork to which we're exposed. Yeah. It's wonderful. High quality. Okay, festival number one. That's number one done, Rose. Okay, my next festival is a new festival audience out there for the city and this one has lashings of good quality beverage promised within it. I'd imagine a lot of people would be interested. (laughs) You don't say, you don't say, okay, okay, okay. Uh, My tagline in entertainment's page is page 77, it's simple, it's drink festival. 
This concept is being introduced to the city. It's being pioneered here by a lovely man to talk to, a lovely man to work with. His name is uh, Kevin Collins. Now, he describes himself as co-founder. Okay. Okay. And I'll just give you in a nub what he told me it's about. Spirit of the City is an outdoor summer extravaganza that will see the launch of Ireland's newest festival. Watch out for the dates later this June, Thursday, June 27 into Sunday 30th. It's been staged in Arthur's Key Park, which was so, so, so successful for Riverfest. And again, is done in association with the Limerick City and County Council which has a terrific festival development. Yeah. It's an area of now. the town I'd like to see more utilised more often as well. Well, you're not, well, you're lost if you weren't there for Riverfest. Well, Tell me you were. I was there, yeah. yeah. The foodie but village. It'd be the, nice to see something there a lot more often than... Yeah, yeah. here, here, yeah. here. Because it's just in this this lovely embrace there beside exactly. the river. The river you're beside the you. Castle. Yeah. You're still downtown. Exactly. It's It's such an amusement park for adults and even children. Okay, now what Kevin tells me, it's all about showcasing some of the country's best distillers and we'll evolve and explore some of the emerging draft beer, sorry, draft beer, gins, whiskies, vodkas and rums, many of which will be artisan products from around the country, specifically the Midwest and Munster. And of course, you know, international, isn't it Seagram's now owns Jemison for this long, long time, I think. Couldn't tell you, Rose. Yeah, yeah, the way Diageo owns Heineken yeah. and... You'd be more clued in than I would. <laughs> <laughs> you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, reader, you can look up more spiritofthecityfestival.ie and in a fortnight I'll be back with the lovely and extremely handsome Kevin Collins to give you more news. Lovely. And we're also ha- we have tickets to give away over the next couple of weeks on... Line. Now you know more than me. Yeah. Tell me. Okay, uh, this is the digital content. Thanks, Kim. Is, yeah, we've, you, we've right? already given away a, a VIP table for eight through the Limerick Post. Was I invited? Um, you might be, Rose. We'll see. We'll ask, we'll ask the winners <laughs> when they're picking up their tickets. And uh, we've also given away a whiskey hamper. It's a Connacht Whiskey Company Limited and some Lamb and Watt uh, products to give away. That, that was last week. So we have some tickets to give away for the festival in the next coming weeks over the next two or three weeks before the festival. Yeah, looking forward to bringing yeah. us more detail on that. I need to know more about but, it. But uh, if you pop over the Facebook page, our Facebook page, you'll see it. The competitions go up every Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday over the next couple of weekends. Keen, so nobody does it better than you. I know, we just get a chance there to win some tickets to the okay. Spirit of the City. Lovely, Rose. So what's next on our festivals list? I know I you, you had you a busy a third, weekend. Yeah, I had a busy weekend. <laughs> a third festival, the really, really terrific annual Killaloo Chamber Music Festival. It ran for four days, opening on Thursday night with the Ireland premiere of a terrific uh, opera. It was adorable. Rory Dunn was the baritone. Kellyanne Masterson was his first, his chambermaid, then his wife, then his very cold and demanding and expensive <laughs> wife who leaves him, well, very alone and cold in bed. And yet the two, because they're both such skilled actors as well in this joyful production, um, backed by um, Irish Baroque Orchestra, uh, you really got the chemistry and zest between the two. You're looking at them and it's the most 
confounding and enjoyable thrill of a car crash of a relationship. And yet, deep inside, you know, no time soon will this couple split up. Brilliant. Gorgeous, yeah. adorable. Uh, what, what was the venue like out there? Yes. St. Flannan's Cathedral, well, it's it's very beautiful to be in, gorgeously lit by Dara Flynn's technical company who handle acoustics, equipment, technicalities. Emily Motors yeah. was working with them you as see, well. I was this there weekend. to interview Joachim last week, but I didn't get to see it full of people. Okay, you know? yeah, 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 your loss. Now, what really, thank you for saying full of people, what really filled it. People think of chamber music as being from, you know, the Dark Ages, the Median Renaissance and court culture when pieces were commissioned. Uh, not so. Its span is far, it's well into the 21st century. Witness uh, Saturday morning, we had their rising star, Matthew Breen. He played some gorgeous pieces by Telman Elgar, etc. on the very beautiful organ in St. Flannan's. Then he took to keys to give us his own jazz comp- compositions, which were extraordinary. He did a bossa nova, he did other stuff, he told us stories. And the man is only 19. And he already has this fantastic boutique showcase to take around the country with them. Uh, for anybody who's looking for corporate entertainment, uh, please consider Matthew Breen and he's contactable through artistic director Joachim Rauer of the Killaloo Music Festival. Uh, go, he's uh, Matthew Breen. I couldn't recommend him highly enough. And it's such an interesting and, and humble young man to, to be around with as well. Don't you just hate talented people? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give you three more that would really give you the sick in a beautiful way. Um, singer Kathleen Turner. He was a lot to do with the outreach program, Sing Out Strings, mm-hmm. organised by the Irish Chamber Orchestra. Kathleen Turner is a recording and writing star vocalist in her own right. She took to the stage very late, 10pm, for a totally full St. Venice church, accompanied by Catherine Honka and violin and Owen Scannon on piano. And they gave us the music of George Gershwin, uh, just Beautiful, crazy, good, you know, someone to watch over you, um, you know, that man of mine, all these beautiful songs. And Kathleen has such poise as an entertainer. Still up there, she's six foot something in this incredible dress and owned it and had us like China in her hand. Great show, absolutely great show. Followed by wonderful crack with the Chatham Saxophone Quartet. Uh, they sound British. I challenged them later about this in um, oh, the club headcast. The Killaloo headquarters was across the road in Ponte Vecchio. So they were sitting behind us for the late night crack into God about 4 a.m. on the Saturday night. They're from Dublin. An early night, Rose. <laughs> 4 a.m. I'm entitled. <laughs> Bank holiday weekend. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Yeah. You knocked yourself out of Dachlos. I did, yeah. Uh, Chatham Saxophone Quartet, they played Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, rearranged for four brass instruments. Uh, just so, Amazing. so lovely. So, yeah. so, so lovely. Accompanied by the wonderful and uh, really good humoured Michael McHale, uh, Belfast Man on Piano. Excellent. Yeah. Sounds like a great yeah, festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One yeah. That more people should support, maybe. There are two concerts minimum every day. Yeah. There are also freebies such as the Gutha Institute sponsored tickets from Pimpinione, the opera I spoke to you about for the under 18s. Yeah. Who else would do it? Exactly. Uh, free talks by musicologist Dr. Michael Murphy, practicing musician and a musicologist himself who teaches in Mary Eye. He prefaced every evening concert with, with a talk leading into it, which was really helpful because you learn how to, you know, hear the hooks and the rhythms yeah. of a piece of music such as Don Quixote, or as is pronounced properly, I think. You've got to laugh at this. Donkey shot. 
Try keeping a straight face. <laughs> and this is introduced several times. It's Don Quixote. I think it's a Don Quixote. Uh, uh, well, what is our idea yeah, of Spanish compared exactly. to yeah. trying to think of us like Robert, you know? Well. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. And then uh, there's a writing music workshop, and they also had their artist in residence this year. It was the extraordinary Barry McGovern, who hung out throughout the festival with his lovely Mife Wave. Um, they gave us notes from literature, was the theme. He really invested in that beautifully. With red prose, you know, connected to the music, Donkey Shot specifically. <laughs> uh, that was just one night only. And then hung out with us later in Ponte Vecchio and really invested in the f- festival and just made it one of the interesting multidimensional things with all these freebies yeah. attached in and around it. Cool. That Looking forward to next year's. Yeah, already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the cabaret thing just worked so well. I'd like to see more of that. Brilliant. And Rose, we have a big one on. Your okay, the biggie, are, the biggie. Yeah. One of the more most interesting interviewees I've met in a, in a long, long time. Jacinta White, she's going to play Angela, Angela McCourt and Angela, Angela. The correct name is Angela's Ashes, the musical, to distinguish it from Frank McCourt's book. And the musical is derived from the book written by uh, two Englishmen whom I'll refer to again. Forgive me, their name is Adam Hurt and Paul. Somebody wrote the lyrics. Um... Pat Moylan is the producer. She flew Jacinta in for a press preview into the Savoy Hotel recently and Jacinta really delivered the most beautiful number. Keen, I think you were a witness as well. Yeah, it was lovely. Like I said before, I think hair standing up in the back of my neck and everything. She she wasn't yeah. just singing, she was actually performing. You know, invested was, in yeah. her. Anyway, I had a good dig around with, with, um, with Jacinta with respect to her perception on Angela and... Um, being the the performer and the scholar and good quality grafter that she is of course she's thoroughly invested in it she tells me i read the book about a hundred years ago and loved it she says with feeling it brought tears to my eyes i wanted to pull this character off the page she is downtrodden she has an alcoholic husband who leaves her two children have died yet she got back up again i tried to make her the strong woman i felt she was who stood up to life and we can thank uh, director Tom Sutherland for just working the cast so hard, bringing great performances out of them. I went along to the show a couple of years back because I'd seen the preliminary, the first iteration, which was yeah. a college production. It was three hours of my life back in 2014. I don't like to be negative about people who put their heart and soul mm-hmm. into a product and give it to you. But it did nothing for me. Yeah. And I wanted those three hours of my busy life back. That's I how know. I felt. A couple of years down the line, you know, the bright light in Lime Tree Theatre, Louise Donlan, a light bulb goes off on her end when Pat Moylan contacts her about being partner in this production mm-hmm. and pioneering it in Ireland. So Lime Tree theme and um, Pat Moylan work away in it and they give back to the stage this extraordinary, polished and yet gritty, intensely musical and very feeling production led by Jacinta and Owen Cannon as Frank. Brilliant. And Claire Barrett was a fantastic granny as a last minute call-in because um, Amanda Minahan, who was my granny, was uh, through severe ill health, had to be removed from the production. That was heartbreaking for her. Claire Barrett really nailed it. And seeing how well received it was, not just in Limerick, but beyond. Exactly. Thank you. It travelled to Cork Opera House, it travelled to Belfast, it travelled to Dublin. It's on that tour itinerary again after us. 
three London producers are flying in to have a look at it in its Irish tour and it's already booked for a London run. Uh, repeat what Jacinta White, who knows a great deal about having a fabulous career. She's on stage having bagged the lead in Annie in the West End at the age 11. She says, I very much think this show has a future. Fingers crossed. I really believe it has a huge future. What a perfect way to end the arts section, Rose. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me and have a lovely weekend, Rose. Hopefully not as busy as the last one. (laughs) But just as fun. (laughs) Thanks, Rose. So that's it for this week's edition of the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank Rose Rusher, arts editor, John Keogh from Sporting Limerick, and journalist Bernie English, who was a stand-in head of news this week, and Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show for joining me. As always... You can find more Limerick news on limerickpost.e or following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. And you can also find our podcast, video and much, much more news online. We really are Keeping Limerick Posted.